0: Hello, High Rock. Hope you had a happy Thanksgiving. Uh, We are returning back to our walk through the Book of Isaiah. Uh, After this week, we're going to be moving into the season of Advent, so we'll talk about that a little bit uh, about that later. But for now, we are in Isaiah chapter 55, verses 1 through 11, where we read this: "Is anyone thirsty? Come and drink. Even if you have no money, come. Take your choice of wine or milk. It's all free." Why spend your money on food that does not give you strength? Why pay for food that does you no good? Listen to me, and you will eat what is good. You will enjoy the finest food. Come to me with your ears wide open. Listen, and you will find life. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. I will give you all the unfailing love I promised to David. See how I used him to display my power among the peoples? I made him a leader among the nations." You also will command nations you do not know, and peoples unknown to you will come running to obey, because I, the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, have made you glorious. Seek the Lord while you can find him. Call on him now while he is near. Let the wicked change their ways and banish the very thought of doing wrong. Let them turn to the Lord for he, that he may have mercy on them. Yes, turn to our God, for he will forgive generously. My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. The rain and the snow come down from the heavens to stay on the ground to water the earth. They cause the grain to grow, producing seed for the farmer and bread for the hungry. It is the same with my word. I send it out and it always produces fruit it will accomplish all I want it to, and it will prosper everywhere I send it. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Thanks be to God.
0: Well, Dave, as I read this passage, um, really what it reminds me of is the, the old anecdote, you know, like, you know, want to make God laugh. Well, tell him your plans that, that, uh, old, uh, gem, but the idea really is at play here where Israel has had this history. Now, you know, we started back in, uh, in Isaiah 1, like two centuries kind of before this point. And Israel constantly seems to think that she knows better than the Lord what direction she should go. And so Israel keeps making her own plans. She keeps departing from God, looking for better offers, uh, often through idolatry or trying to make deals with other nations like Assyria or Egypt, rather than trusting in God. Uh, They think that they know better than God in their Babylonian captivity. They think they know better than God in wanting a Davidic Messiah, not this Gentile liberator that God is sending named Cyrus. And I think that the, the pattern that they establish is something that we do all the time as well. We have this constant temptation to know what God's way is, but to think that we know a better way, maybe a shortcut or something that's more optimized to get us what we want and what God wants, or at least that's how we think about it. And so we see here in verse three where God says, come to me with your ears wide open and listen, and you will find life. Um, and just in case uh, some of them think that maybe God is finished with them, after all, this is during the time of their Babylonian cap- captivity. This is kind of their their rock bottom. But God says um, that he will forgive them and draw them in he says seek the Lord while you can find him call on him now while he is near let the wicked change their ways He said let them turn to God and he will have mercy on them yes turn to our God he will forgive generously so this is a this is an invitation that is open to everyone everything is forgivable act now you know strike while the iron is hot. Hot And uh, God then emphasizes, you know, this is a a famous line that's repeated in other places, but my thoughts are are nothing like your thoughts. My ways are higher uh, beyond your ways in every way, uh, just as the heavens are higher than the earth. And God is reminding us that we just don't have the full picture. We don't understand the way that God understands. And so rather than trying to be clever, which is, I know, is always my temptation, God is inviting us to be trusting, to be faithful, to trust that even if we don't know, because we don't know, that God knows the way forward and we should trust God. Uh, I remember one person saying to me uh, before that no one ever bet enough on a winning horse. The idea being that if you were to know the future, if you were to know exactly what would be the winning course of action, then it would be worth every investment. And that's what God is essentially saying here. You know, God says that that is his word. He's going to send it out in verse 11 and it will always Produce fruit. It will always accomplish what God wants it to, and so we need to be obedient. God's, you know, imperative. Uh, th- th- this opportunity, this should of opportunity, that would be crazy to pass up this opportunity to be faithful to the Word of God because it is always going to be successful. It's always going uh, to produce fruit, and I, I think about. It's really hard for us, especially the more educated we are, the more clever and intelligent we are, the harder it is to believe that faithfulness is really going to lead the places that we want to go. We always think that we can optimize it somehow better, get what we want and what God wants. I, I've heard you put it before that, you know, so many of us are so much more concerned that we get our kids into Harvard than heaven. And and usually the idea of uh, sometimes parents will respond, well, you know, I can get both. I can get Harvard now can always get heaven later. And we think we can kind of optimize God's plan, but God's inviting us to do something uh, much greater by trusting him and and knowing that God's plans are going to come to fruition. And of course, this message is coming to Israel after two centuries of trying to go their own way and having it fail in every way until they finally hit rock bottom in captivity. And of course, these lessons are here for us so that we don't have to hit rock bottom, that we can learn from their lessons and trust God even now. Uh, Dave, I'm wondering what you see in today's passage.
1: You know, there is so much in this one. I feel like this is one of those chapters that we could have, you know, spent an entire week just picking apart the various sections because there's so much richness here. Uh, for the people who heard the sermon yesterday, you guys will recognize actually some of these pieces uh, that they're kind of are, are just interesting parallels to some of the things I shared there because it talks about uh, verse 6, seek the Lord while you can find him. Call on him now while he is near. And, you know, we, we talked about how Jesus was making this announcement, right? His, his ministry really begins. The very first thing that Jesus says uh, is, repent, for the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, is near. It's here. It's now. It's happening. And in it, in, I think a lot of people kind of heard that as a very novel idea. Uh, but here we see it right in Isaiah. So many of the things that Jesus is going to say are actually lifted right out of Isaiah, you know, God was already saying them, but people didn't have the ears to receive it, to understand it. Um, because so many of their, their assumptions about God's remoteness right, are also reinforced. Because we talk about how God is both imminent, that means really close, right here, and transcendent, means beyond anything we can comprehend. Both things are in this chapter. right? God can be right here, closer than the air I breathe, and beyond Anything that, you know, the James Webb telescope could ever see. Uh, those can both be true. And so here it is verse nine. He says, for just as the heavens are higher than the earth. We talked about that yesterday in the sermon. You know, what higher, what do we mean by that? Uh, so my ways are higher than your ways. And here it is, the metaphor for higher. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. It's not literally that his thoughts are just kind of operating at a different altitude, right? It's it's he's saying that they're they're superior, they're better. Again, Which is a lot of this is echoes of, of what we talked about yesterday. Um, but I, I think that uh, again, I just with the limited time we have, just trying to dive into a few of these things that I, I think are so beautiful. Uh, the first one is this just incredibly generous invitation: "Is anyone thirsty? Come and drink." You know, and I, I just I hear the echoes of of uh, Jesus in Matthew uh, eleven. You know, um, uh, "Come, all you who are weary, I will give you rest." Uh, that we, we so often have the idea of God being, yeah, I don't know, just. Slightly annoyed with us at at best, you know, kind of like, oh, why am I still kind of like contending with you people? Uh, And yet here we see this tenderness, this really incredible compassion. It says, come and take your choice of wine or milk. Don't take both together. Disgusting. Um, But then this is the line I just think is so interesting. It's really, I think one is thought provoking. Why spend your money on food that does not give you strength? Why pay for food that does you no good? And of course, he's not really talking about food, right? He, he's like, why spend your life? Why spend your energies pursuing things that actually don't give you strength and will do you no good? I heard something the other day about, um, there was a, uh, I was actually reading a David Brooks's latest book, and he talked about a study in which um, somebody had found that that, you know, people actually are most happy when they're having conversation with others, and yet, as he would commute into work each day, he'd notice no one talks to anyone. Everyone's on the phone. So he set up a little experiment which sort of basically you know paid people as volunteers to deliberately have conversations with their neighbors and tell stories you know, on these long commutes. And then they did all these surveys afterwards, and their levels of happiness were through the roof. And he said, who's surprised that, in fact, by having meaningful interactions with these people over you know the 45 minutes of this commute, it's going to be more life-giving? And yet, nobody does it. Right? And funny, when the experiment was over, everybody went right back to what they used to do. And they'd arrive at work grumpy and angry and just tired or whatever, not energized. And, and his conclusion in his study was that just that, that humans, as humans, were bad at forecasting what will actually give us life. And, and I was thinking about that as I'm, you know, reading this, that so many of us devote our energies, our money, our time, to things that actually will not give us life. And yet we think they will. Right? If I just have a bigger house, a better vacation, you know, like a, a better job, more income, you know, whatever it is, if I just have those things, then, and yet that never actually pans out. that and, way. And I think that's where this invitation that God's saying there is a way to have peace and joy and patience and goodness and kindness. There's all of those things. I'm going to give them to you for free. And it's going to be very costly because you have to give up some of these other, you know, running after some of these other things. Um, I, I just think, again, we could talk about that for a, a long, long time. Um, oh gosh, okay, it's a little time left. I, I'm just going to mention really quick. I, I think you, you know, John, you already kind uh, of touched on the uh, the idea that my thoughts are not like yours. I think so many times we want to have God all figured out, and I know what God thinks, or God, you know, this is what God wants. Somebody will even tell you that for you know. Oh, here's what God wants in your situation. I kind of think, bro. God's thoughts are nothing like your thoughts. And and I think that the, the, hopefully the more mature I get in my faith, the less I understand about God's thoughts, or I can say this is very true of God, but but there's also m- much more that is true that it that doesn't quite fit into that box, right? That, that for, have, to think that we can put God in some kind of box and get them all figured out. And this is what God wants. This is what God thinks. And, okay. I'm done having to worry about that. No, we're God is so far above and beyond. Uh, and And then I think that leads to the last point I'm going to try to touch on today. Uh, Verse 10, the rain and the snow come down from the heavens and stay on the ground to water the earth. They cause the grain to grow, producing seed for the farmer and bread for the hungry. And I think a lot of times when the rain and snow come down, you know, we're like, oh, my goodness, it's raining again. And, you know, it's snowing and oh, what a pain. And, And yet, of course, that's God's way of giving nourishment and life. Just like the sun is needed, so is the rain. And. And I think one of the, the areas where which I've been really trying to grow over the last couple of years, and I think I'm genuinely seeing growth in the last few years, is in the deliberate practice of what St. Ignatius called indifference, which is being able to hold, hold out and say, I don't trust my own preferences. I don't trust my own agendas. I think I know what's best in this situation. The best thing would be for this outcome and God to do that for me. But I'm going to trust, actually, that what God gives, that God will use for good. and." And in fact, it may be even bad things that happen to me, and yet still, God will use those for good. And learning more and more and more to have open hands, and I think part of that is learning to trust God more, and part of it is learning to trust myself less, having seen times where I did get everything I wanted, and it was terrible, or I got exactly what I didn't want, and it turned out to be such a great blessing. So many of have stories of both of those things. And then you wonder, why is it then? And this goes right back to where we started. Why do we then spend our time and our money and our energy trying to get the thing that we think we want? We don't know what to want, right? And, and God's thoughts, are way higher. They're way better than ours. And so I think so much of the life of faith is learning to trust God's goodness. Tell God what you want. Share God your heart with God. And then trust that what God gives is good. And I've actually have found that there is so much peace in that and actually a real sense of, wow. That was not what I thought was what would be best for me. And instead of going with resistance and complaining, I I come in with a sense of curiosity. All right, God, what are you going to do with that? And genuinely believing that God is actually going to do something good. So anyway, again, we could talk way too long about this. I've already talked too long, but I love this chapter.
0: Well, Dave, I'm wondering if you would pray for us to be able to have this kind of trust and to be empowered by God's spirit. Of course.
1: God, we love you. We're so thankful for your word. And we're thankful that every time we come to it, you do use it to produce fruit in us. And God, I pray that just as your word always goes out and accomplishes what you want, God, I pray that it would accomplish what you want in us. Your ways are higher than our ways. We trust you. We love you. We know that we're loved by you. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.
0: Amen. Well, thank you, everyone, for joining us. I hope you can join us again tomorrow. Go in peace.